Support for Sponsor Talk and the following message come from Sponsor CX. If you're looking for an innovative, intuitive, and simple way to manage your sponsorships, look no further than this sponsorship management software. Sign up for a demo today and find out how easy it is to manage your sponsors. Learn more at www.sponsorcx.com. Welcome to the Sponsor Talk Podcast, where we interview some of the leading minds in the world of sponsorship marketing and discover the various ways and how brands interact with properties in sports, arts, film, music, you name it. I'm today's co-host, Jason Smith. You can follow me at SponsorshipJ on Twitter or on LinkedIn to keep engaged with our Sponsor Talk community. Hopefully today you learn something new about the industry and challenges you to keep thinking differently. Excited to be here. Thanks, Max, for the invite, and thanks to all the panelists that, that came. I'm just going to quickly uh, give it a, a, a name and, and who they belong to really quick, but I'll let them introduce themselves. we got John Kimball with Real Salt Lake, Greg Tanner with Utah Jazz, Casey Stoffer with BYU Athletics, and Mike Berry with the Arizona Coyotes. Um, and we'll just start with you, Greg. Why don't you just give a, a brief introduction to yourself, and then we'll, we'll go Greg, Casey, Mike, John. You bet. Greg Tanner. Uh I'm with uh, Smith Entertainment Group, formerly known as Larry Miller Group, which entails the Utah Jazz and uh, six other properties. My, my role is uh, Vice President of Corporate Partnerships. Uh, I'm Casey Stoffer. I'm the Associate Athletic Director uh, over corporate sponsorships at BYU Athletics. Um, my organization sees, oversees all of those uh, uh, contracts and associations with the athletic department uh, with hosting hospitality, uh, social media, uh, sponsorship signage, and uh, TV and radio. Yeah, I'm Mike Berry, Vice President of Corporate Partnerships with the Arizona Coyotes of the NHL. And uh, similar to Casey, we oversee a pretty large portfolio of assets for the team, except for uh, TV. We, we don't have that in-house. That's part of our rights deal with Fox Sports Arizona. So. Last but not least, John Kimball. Thanks, Jason. My name is John Kimball. I'm the interim president uh, for Real Salt Lake, uh, the local MLS soccer team in Utah. Awesome. Thank you all for, for joining. We're going to jump right in. Um, I want to pose, pose a question um, to, to all of you, and feel free to jump in, whoever um, would like to, to answer first. But how do you work with partners to make sure your goals align with those, those partner goals? like the various brands that you work with, how do you align your goals with theirs? So yeah. I, I think the only way you can really align with someone's goals is if you understand what their goals are. And so the first step would be in, in our sales process, it's holding a discovery meeting. So it's going out, sitting down and asking really good questions to really comprehend and understand what the partner's about, what they're trying to accomplish. And then once you ascertain their goals, the next step would be taking what assets and inventory and key uh, key inventory that you have to try to match those two goals. I, and I would add to that, Greg, um, I, I think from a sales standpoint, you have to take two. Like there, there, there's a difference between getting out trying to cultivate that sell, but from a strict standpoint, you understand the fit. There's that authentic way that you approach meeting a sponsor's needs and also making sure that they understand your needs as an organization and those, those match well together. 
um, that then then it makes that process a lot more seamless uh, to, to to be connected. Yeah, because it, it seems like there would be there there is. I mean, when you, as you work with a lot of different brands, their needs are all different, so it makes it a little bit. It can it can be a, a little bit more challenging. Mike, do you have any other thought, thoughts? Yeah, on that? I mean, you guys are right on the mark. I would just add, you know, for for us, it's been my experience. I mean, as you guys would probably concur, every partner, or potential partner, is different, and the process can be different. You know, from you know, length of time that it takes. I mean, some partnerships can germinate in a few could take you know 18 to 24 months if not longer and you know that that discovery process can be different in its own unique ways with uh you know different potential partners i think the other thing too that we've tried to do a better job here with our our uh, platform is just from activation perspective and trying to our our activation personnel into the process from the get-go I mean and every team has their own style or every property has their own style um, but we, we try to create a collaborative approach here at the Coyotes to uh, to incorporate and, and get the feedback and get our activation personnel involved in the process from the start so John, I have a question for you. you we, and this kind of goes along along the lines of what we're talking about here. We hear the the term, you know, strategic partnership or strategic sponsorship. What does that mean? You know, it's funny that last question, Jason. I was going to turn that back to you because uh, many of us have worked with you. Hey, who's leading this thing? <laughs> well, you know, uh, <laughs> you know how sales works. If you can get the other person talking, then you don't have to do any of the talking. So. Uh, but you, fi you figured me out, John. Yeah, but I, but I, you know, from your point of view and being an amazing partner to, to a lot of the, the different groups on, on this call, but strategic partnership, I mean, when I really started thinking about that, I started thinking about relationships and just being able to create a relationship where the person that you're working with really knows that you're sitting on the same side of the table with them, that you're strategically listening to what their marketing plan is and what they need to accomplish. And then you're going back to your toolbox and trying to put together something that's custom built for them that meets their needs. And it goes back to Greg's point, uh, you know, the discovery meeting and asking those questions is so critical to find out the information. Uh, but it's really listening, creating that relationship of trust, and then having them know that you're working for them and you're really trying to put something together that will accomplish their goals. You know, when I, when I worked on, this, on the sales side, when Casey and, I, Casey and I worked together and Greg and I worked together at Jazz and BYU, I said the easy part was sales. Um, people kind of like, what? Is it sales the hard part? The sales part is the easy part. You get together, you go to lunch, you give high fives, you're go to these nice hospitality events and everything. And you talk about how great the sponsorship is going to be, but then the real work happens after that. Once the contract's signed, there's a lot of work that needs to be done. And that's where that true strategic side of it comes. I mean, obviously you got to be strategic when you put the agreement together, but the strategy comes in the activation side, right? And making sure that you're driving business for that corporate partner. Cause if you look at it, the, the goal, the overall goal, if I was just put a, just a generic goal on the property, each of one of you represent is to drive revenue for the organization, right? Um, and the goal for the brand 
is to drive revenue for the brand, right? And if you can just make sure those two align up, then it's a great, it's, it's a great, that's, that's 10,000 feet in the air, right? That's where it's at. And then all the details in between is where get into the weeds, I guess, and, and, and putting it all together. But anybody have any closing thoughts on that? I was just going to say maybe to, to my thought on that is you know, strategic partnership. It, it really motivates both parties to do the best job possible yeah. for each other. You know, if, if you really are, you've done all of your due diligence, you've done your discovery, you've, you've gone through this process, you, you understand a lot about each other. And then when you have a partnership, sponsorship, whatever you call it, um, the culmination of that agreement motivates both parties to do the best job possible for each other. And it's, it's kind of interesting. So very rarely do we get, you know, competitors on the same call here, you know, where you guys collaborate with each other. You're in, you're in similar markets. Um, you compete for dollars, right? In, in those markets, which is okay. I think you, you all recognize that. But how do you distinguish yourselves between the others? I'll, I'll start, you know, I, I think, uh, I mean, it's interesting because I've, I've been able, other than the coyotes, I've been able to represent every brand that's on uh, the screen. And the interesting thing about that, and Jason, you know this best, is that uh, there's different target demographics. There's different groups that are reached by, by those different products that are put on the table. And one of the great things about what we have going in Utah is that there's room for all of us and there's different demographics and opportunity for, for each team and each organization to thrive. And, you know, one of the ways that I differentiate is just time of year and when we're playing as opposed to when the other teams are playing. And when we're working with a, a, an amazing partner like Mountain America Credit Union, we want to say, look, we can fit into a 12 month plan where you might have the jazz here and BYU here and, and then we can kind of complete the 12 month plan. And yeah, absolutely. then again, you, you dig into some of the demographics of, you know, we're reaching a, a higher Hispanic group than maybe some of the others. And they may be reaching another demographic that that, that client's looking for. So that's some of the things that I would point out. Oh, that's amazing insight. Any, any others? Yeah, I think there's so many variables that go into each conversation, Jason. I think John touched on a lot of the important points. You know, I, I don't really look at it as competition, I guess, in the, the definite, this true sense of the word it is, but I'm kind of the outlier here. I'm not the Utah based franchise, but I mean, there, there, I could argue pros and cons for our property and the, you know, the, the Cardinals, Suns, D-backs in the, in the Phoenix market here. Um, and, and I think we can all stand on our own two feet with the things that we can bring to the table, you know, for each of our properties. And look, we, we may not be the best fit for certain brands out there. And, and for other brands, I, I think we're a great fit. I think uh, we all have unique things that we distinguish ourselves by in the marketplace. And, uh, you know, if you're developing the, the right relationships in a professional way and, you know, have credibility, um, do things the right way, and like everybody's already discussed, you know, do the right due diligence, then, then you have a great shot to be successful. But I think any property, you have to know who you are, what your strong points are. And, you know, it, it's okay if, if we're not a fit for every brand. I mean, you can't be all things to all people. Um, you just got to be diligent, you know, commit to your approach and 
what you can bring to the table. And if you're true to that, I think you, you'll set your property up for a lot of success. And uh, I appreciate that, Mike. And, and I'm actually going to ask K Casey, he's probably the, the most unique here um, out of all because he works for an institution that's, that's governed by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, right? So when you're talking about brands associate, associating and, and partnering, I think each one of you besides him has a, an alcoholic beverage sponsorship, except for Casey, right? Um, and so how do you manage that? So one of my first years here, um, I walked into our student athlete building and there happened to be coming down the stairs, uh, a gentleman with a, a, a Budweiser uh, jumpsuit on. Uh, he was a delivery guy for, for Budweiser and, and he stopped me and said, hey, uh, just out of curiosity, um, do you know anybody that manages the sponsorships here? And I thought it was a joke. I thought somebody had set me up somehow. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm like, uh, yeah, um, you know, how, how can I help you? And he said, well, I, I, I'm new to, the, new to the area, just driving through, seeing the sites. Um, and I noticed that there's not a Budweiser sign anywhere in, in the stadiums or anywhere on this campus. Again, I honestly thought it was a joke. And I said, yeah, no, Budweiser couldn't afford the price tag to be here on campus, so they're not a partner. And he goes, that's, he's like, you'd be surprised. He's like, here's my number, let's talk. You know, I think, and, and I'm waiting for him to say, oh, I'm just kidding, but uh, he, was, he was dead serious. He really wanted to be the first guy to get a Budweiser sign at, at uh, Lavelle Edwards Stadium. So um, I think, I think for, for, for me, like we, we have to make sure that when we do our due diligence, we're, uh, we're not only looking after the, the brand of the athletic department and the university, but also the, the, our sponsoring institution. Um, so, you know, there's certain areas that we know that we can engage in conversations and we know that there's certain areas that we can't and, and that's okay. Um, one thing that I would say about the marketplace is yeah. the market, obviously each of our organizations exists because the market has determined us a valuable part of, of their environment, right? Of their, of their ecosystem. And so, you know, I know that we maybe compete sometimes for like total budgets, but we don't really compete in terms of relevancy because the market has already established that we are a part of what they consider their entertainment or their, uh, their, their way of life for us to, to, you know, I would say, I don't necessarily look every day and say, how do I compete against the jazz? There's, there's certain things that I can't, you know, and, and obviously you with same with Salt Lake, like there's, there's, there's aspects that I look up to these institutions, these organizations um, that I hope to bring, you know, into the college footprint in the college space. Um, but I don't necessarily look at those organizations like I have, my, my, my goal is not to take that organization down. My goal is to be able to learn from them. My goal is to be able to take best practices and elevate uh, what we do within our organization. And maybe that's where we compete to see is who can provide the best experience possible. Don't let, don't let Casey fool you. He looks at partners and he goes, give me all of your money. <laughs> well, that, so Rob Cornelis to, told us that uh, that was what we should do. We should walk in every meeting. And ask say, for everyone, all, all of your budget. Your I want budget. all of your budget. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Keep things relevant here um, from, from, with the pandemic. Everyone's, it's well-documented. There's not a lot of fans in the stadium. Um, obviously Utah Jazz just added some, some more fans. Um, uh, RSL, you had some limited fans, you know, last year. How have you navigated through the pandemic with your partners? 
Then you want to jump in there, Jason. I'll, I'll take yeah. a stab at, I'll take a quick stab at that. So, you know, stating the obvious is some of the challenges that we face that you mentioned, less fans. <clears throat> in addition to that, unfortunately, a lot of us have undergone furloughs and layoffs and reduction in staff. Um, so consequently, in my group, we're working with about a third of the staff and the workload has tripled. The reason why the workload has tripled is because we have to open up every single partnership that we have sold and determine what assets we can deliver. And in, my, in the case that I'm dealing with, again, six or seven properties, some of those deals, similar to yours, Jason, with, with Mount America, have multiple properties. Some of those properties we couldn't deliver on at all. Um, where there were no fans or it didn't even happen like the bees last year, the entire season was missed. This year with the Jazz, we had to open up every agreement and go through assets and determine what percentage of those uh, assets we can deliver on. So we really had to go through and sell and resell all the assets that we were already under contract. Our number one angle on that was ensuring customer service through this and extreme transparency. So we made a, a huge goal to do a lot of work on the front end to make sure we could share a document while trying to preserve our rates. Uh, one thing a salesperson never really wants is, is the rate shared across the board in the market because obviously uh, some partners have been on longer, some partners spend more money, and as a result of those two factors, their rates might be less than other people. So trying to maintain rate integrity, uh, be transparent, and just hit it head on and be just as honest as, as we can be. I, what, one thought, and then I'll, I'll be quiet. Uh, I, I think it's critical, as someone was mentioning about relationships. You know, there's such a thing as relationship arrogance where we want to meet someone only because we believe that they can provide us either a contract or revenue or some benefit. And I, I just think that during these times, it's allowing us to prove that our relationships are much deeper and greater than just generating revenue because our revenue is way down as a direct result. So that's my thoughts. No, you're, you're spot on, Greg. Relationships are everything when it comes to challenges that you face, right? It's the true colors show. It's finding that balance of being able to go, okay, are we getting the val are we getting the value that we need versus like, hey, we want to make sure that we're good partners too. And you have to have this careful balance between the two. But I think if the relationship's intact, you can figure it out and figure out a way to make sure that that uh, that the that the relationship is is the most important piece. Anybody else have any thoughts? Those are the key things that I was gonna hit on. Uh, back to your strategic partnerships. If you set things up from the beginning correctly uh, to Greg's point if you do the work in the beginning uh, and then when these type of things happen it's really just kind of a math problem of just making sure that you're showing what you could deliver and what you couldn't deliver but to both your points it, it really digs deep into the relationship that you have with that uh, partner and that uh, you're you're trying to make things right and that they trust that that's what's going to happen any other any other thoughts on the pandemic I mean, I, I think for me, just on a personal note, I mean, this has been one of the most, it's probably been the most unique and trying year of my career just from the landscape that we're all trying to operate in. Um, but I mean, Greg really hit on it. I mean, you, it's really been a test of our relationships. And, and I've found it's been one of the benefits to me in my career, I think, is some of the best friendships that I've had in, in my career have come from partners and not necessarily the biggest partners. I mean, quite frankly, I've, I've worked with 
you know, some partners on some larger investments and they, they could be very difficult and maybe not, we weren't necessarily the best of friends and it was all business. And then I've had other people that maybe weren't the largest, you know, investors with the club per se. And, and they've, you know, been friends for, you know, long, long beyond any contract that was in place. So, but uh, I, I think the pandemic has, you know, put great stress on a lot of the relationships and, and you just, you know, you try to manage it in an organic way. And, and it's certainly, you know, if anything, you know, it's much more about just dollars and cents. And, yeah. and like Greg said, I mean, we've had to reopen up every one of our deals and, and, you know, renegotiate things. And, you know, I, I think the bottom line for us is we, you know, we try to go over and above, try to over deliver. And it, it really isn't just about the bottom line. Yeah. It really, you, you have to, you have to depend on those relationships. And if, and if you've done all the right things, I mean, um, we've been able to work through most of our, you know, make goods and, and other things we've tried to do for partners to over deliver. And that's where the, the relationship easy, easy to develop when you have a great product on the field or on the ice and when the economy's going great. But I, I think this has really become a true test of, of the relationships all of us have, have been able to build and maintain. Yeah, this is a unique, a unique time. We can, all, we can all now kind of come out of this and have the experience of working through sponsorships through a pandemic. That's, we can add that to, our, add that to your resume because there was no preparation on how to, on how to deal with that. It was, it was definitely, uh, it was definitely an education as we, as we went through it. I'm still going through it to this, to this day. Um, we're, we're, we got five minutes left here. I have, I have some questions, unique questions for each one of you, Greg, I wanted to ask you with the jazz number one in the NBA right now, how does, how does the jazz playing at a high level right now? How does that, how does winning help with your partnerships? I appreciate that question, and it is fun. I've been doing this a long time, and we haven't always been at the top. So I would say winning solves all problems is a partial truth. Uh, I've learned from years of experience when you're winning, it's the best time to take service and uh, gratitude and humility to a whole new level. Um, it's when you show that gratitude for um, what, what, what your partners are doing for you when it's not great. Um, we are all one injury away from not being the best team. And so I don't think you ever have the, the ability to take for granted, you know, when, when things are good. In addition, only one team wins. In the NBA case, there's 30 teams. I've been here 26 years, and we've never won a championship. And some teams have won multiple, but there's a lot of, a lot of teams in every league that don't win. And so you have to look at what are your goals. I, I know on the basketball side here, Quinn's goal is to win a championship. Our goal is to win a championship. I can't help win the championship other than taking care of our partners, treating people right. Uh, there are some benefits that come through winning. Attendance soars, TV ratings go up. You know, again, that, that being healthy is critical. So you cross your fingers and you just do the very best you can to take care of people. Absolutely. Thanks, Thanks Greg. Uh, Mike, the NHL announced the helmet partnership to help with revenue. And obviously Mountain America, we took advantage of, of, of that. What process does the league go through to get something approved like that? Something unique that's never really been done by the league before. Yeah, it was, it was an interesting process. And I'm sure uh, the other panelists can speak to their, their leagues. 
we had formed like a coalition, if you will, across the teams and representatives from each team to collaborate with the league and exchange ideas on new assets, um, you know, some to generate revenue, but probably most importantly in these times to try to close that value gap, if you, if you will, from, uh, you know, lost games due to the pandemic. So um, it, it was pretty unique, you know, because I've worked in the NBA and Major League Baseball, and, and uh, there's always um, varying degrees of, of interaction and collaboration that go on between the league offices. And I would say in this case, the collaboration was very good. They, they heard our concerns, and then, you know, there was, you know, some horse trading, I think, back and forth on potential assets. And I think we landed – at a, at a really good spot and maybe in some respects got some other assets that we we may not have thought you know at first glance we were going to get so yeah. in a nutshell that was kind of the process I think it was very collaborative they moved pretty timely for us so that we could respond back in a timely manner to our partners and John you're in a unique situation because the team's up for sale that's been well well outlined in the news um what are the opportunities challenges you you name it of of being in that situation with with partners with our rsl right now you know it's it's actually been awesome and and the reason i say that that is because of what we've already been talking about what what it's allowed us to do and really allowed me to do is to is to go back to every partner and to uh, make sure that we uh, rebuild uh, from any issues that we may have had in the past, answer any questions, uh, tell them about you know our future and what our plans are, and with the support of the league and their goal to keep the team here in Utah, um, you know it, it actually gives us another opportunity to have conversation and and dig into what, what who we are as strategic partners. Uh, so it really has been a really great opportunity for our club to to go through this process. Thanks for sharing that. I know there's a lot of people questioning kind of how how that works. So thanks for sharing that, Casey. Uh, BYU, go Cougs! Had a great had a great football season. You know this year. What kind of unique partnerships or experiences formed because of the team's success over this past year? Well, first off, we were so grateful that we were able to play uh, as many games as we did. Um, and with everything, there, there was a, a point in time, I, I think most people have seen the map where, you know, BYU was the only football team in, in the entire West Coast that was scheduling to play. Um, and and there's a lot of uncertainty with, with how, you know, games were going to happen. And, and a big credit to our, our athletic director, Tom Holmo, who's, who's just awesome. Uh, his connections, his ability to navigate um, in, the, in the team that he's got around him. Uh, just first rate all the way. Um, I think I would say the one thing that I'd like to share is our with with all kind of the the social injustice things that were happening. Our football team, you know, perhaps one of our most diverse teams at BYU, and and so that the team leadership came. You know, we want to do something that that shows our support for the, their the experiences that they've had, and they wanted to have. Um, and so they came up with the Love One Another campaign. So that was by the captains of the football team. Uh, they came, visited with uh, the administration, and collectively with our partner in the BYU store. Um, initially, uh, it, when they came out in the Navy game in their warm-ups, they had shirts on that said "We Are One" and, and "Love One Another." Uh, on the back and uh, we saw that there was probably an opportunity initially it was just going to be for the team 
and it was it was their way to represent what they felt and the message that they wanted to give. And um, after they came in and met with us, we thought, you know what, maybe there's an opportunity here uh, to do something good. And so their idea, again, the team, uh, the team captains said, could we sell these shirts? Uh, and could we create a fund that helps provide scholarships uh, for multicultural students? And so that's what we did. Um, we listened to our, our student athletes. We um, took this to our, our partner in the BYU store. They printed the shirts and dedicated 100% of the proceeds to go to multicultural scholarships. And this morning, um, we just presented uh, that the, the team leadership council with Kalani and, and his players. I uh, just presented a, a, spon or a check from those proceeds to the multicultural department for $100,000. And it will Amazing. fund over 63 scholarships uh, for multicultural students. So I think that was a really unique thing that came out of just unique times. Um, and, and, and where everything could have got shut down, we were you know hoping we were playing week to week. And even now in, the, in this semester where we've got more than six teams competing all at the same time, and we're thinking, man, I, I hope we make it through today. Um, we, we were really proud of what our student athletes were able to accomplish with this and, and how we were able to support them with the sponsorship. No, thanks for thanks for sharing that. That's a great place to end right there, is, is giving $400,000 to the scholarship. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Make sure to follow us at Sponsor Talk on Twitter and at the Sponsorship Space on LinkedIn and join our community if you're interested in learning more. Thanks and have a great day.